0: Welcome to the Real Estate Agent Superstars podcast. I'm your host, RJ Baxter, with Intercap Lending. And I have an awesome guest for you today, Kathy Haas of Colorado Realty for Less. She has been, Kathy has been in the top 1% of real estate agents in the Denver area for the past two years through the Mile High Leaders Group. And she's also been honored with being in the top 10% with the Pikes Peak Association of Realtors over the past year. So she is definitely crushing it. And she's going to share with us specifically what her strategy has been to do so much business over the past couple years. So welcome to the show, Kathy. Appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks, RJ. Glad to be here.
0: Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Are you a Colorado native or are you did you come from somewhere else?
1: I'm about as close to a Colorado native, I guess, as you can be without being a Colorado native. I um my parents moved here when I was one and a half years old. Um, I was okay. raised in the Denver metro area, uh, graduated from Cherry Creek High School. Go Bruins. Oh, okay. uh, cool. Spent a little bit of time traveling back and forth trying to figure out if I wanted to be here in California, so I spent some time out in California when I was younger. Uh, then moved back to, and lived in Winter Park, uh, which RJ and I have a kind of a kindred soul for, for both of us. Yeah. I lived in Winter Park for 25 years. Uh, married a builder, um, started building homes, uh, got divorced, moved out, became a teacher, flipped homes, decided I didn't want to teach anymore during COVID, and decided to get my real estate license since it's something I'd been doing my whole
0: life. Awesome. So you're you're new in the business.
1: I am. I As of this June, I will have had my license for three years.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that about you. I thought you'd been at this for longer.
1: Nope. Um, Associated with it in all types of means, but just not licensed.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. So so why real estate in particular? Just always an interest in, in real estate or
1: always a huge interest i love um like i said i've spent as a single mom and a teacher i spent over six years flipping houses um every two years that's what I, my summer job was, was i'd flip houses and sell houses and that's how i earned my equity so just the the bouncing and the changing markets and the changing environments um it's it's always exciting to me so always yeah. keeps me on my toes which i like to be on my toes so
0: yeah Absolutely. It's definitely a fun business. So it sounds like right, as soon as you were able to, after a couple of years, you you started your own um, brokerage, right? Colorado Realty for Less is your, your brokerage.
1: Correct. Um, I was working under a brokerage and decided that uh, best interest for myself and my family and relocating to the western slope of Colorado, although I do serve all of Colorado, um, seemed uh-huh. to serve myself better by going out on my own.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you are, now where do you, where are you located? Where's your primary area? Uh,
1: My primary office is in Morrison for the moment. Uh, We are relocating out near Grand Junction, so we'll be serving uh, Denver Metro and Western Slope. Uh, My specialty areas are kind of the I-70 corridor, the mountain regions, Vale Summit, um, and I serve Aspen as well.
0: Okay, okay. SO I WANTED TO HAVE YOU ON BECAUSE you, YOU TOOK AN INTERESTING APPROACH TO WHEN YOU STARTED YOUR BROKERAGE, AND, uh, and YOU'RE VERY BUSY. I HEAR THE PHONE RINGING THERE. <laughs> SORRY. <laughs> TURN THAT yeah. OFF. FOR THOSE OF YOU LISTENING, KATHY SHARED WITH ME OFF CAMERA THAT SHE ACTUALLY, IS IT THIS WEEK OR LAST WEEK, PUT TEN LISTINGS IN, SOMETHING LIKE THAT? CORRECT. SO something, be- you're doing, SOMETHING YOU'RE DOING IS WORKING. CORRECT. Uh, AND... That's why I wanted to have you on to talk about what it is you're doing, what's unique about your brokerage, because there's a reason why you called it Colorado Realty for Less, right?
1: There is. Um, so part of my journey in getting my real estate license and how I got to this point was um, as a teacher, you might all know that teachers do not make the most money <laughs> out of any profession that's chosen.
0: That's um, my previous so, profession too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I know. What'd you teach? I taught, well, I didn't, in Colorado, I just subbed. And then um, I was a middle school English teacher, but not for very long.
1: Middle school and high school here. So there you go. nice.
0: All right. Yeah,
1: and um, so I earned my money and equity and built up my, you know, equity that I had and my money um, flipping houses. So then I thought, well, I, you know, there's some people that want to, have their hand held through these processes, but I had bought and sold so many properties and was married to a builder that I felt that I knew enough that I could help myself to a certain extent. Um, mm-hmm. so I sought out a flat fee real estate agent and, um, have never turned back since.
0: Okay. So that's kind of what, kind of the idea behind, uh, how you started your brokerage.
1: Correct. So the I, I think we talked about broker. it a little bit before, but um, in regards to what a flat fee agent is, um, is that, you know, we just don't, I li- I liken it kind of like, I guess, to a car wash. Um, some people like to, you know, on the weekend or if day they have off, go to Starbucks, get their, get their coffee and take their car to the car wash and sit, you know, inside and watch their car be washed. And other people like to go to a physical car wash and wash their own car. And I don't think that flat fee agents will ever replace full service agents because there are some parts and pieces to the process that I don't do that a full service agent would do. Um, so I think that there's room for both types of services out there because I believe that some services work for some people and the some don't want full service. So it's just another option for people that I work with a lot of flippers. I work with a lot of attorneys. I work with a lot of builders, um, people that already have a lot of knowledge. And then I also work with some people that just find me and say like, help me, Kathy. And uh, by the time we're done, um, I feel like I like to empower people to learn about the process, not just walk through it. I think it's important for people to understand what they're doing and how it's being done since it's probably their biggest investment of their life.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you help people and teach them how to do it and they, they do a lot of this stuff on their own and that's how you're able to do it with the flat fee or the lower cost model?
1: I do. A lot of times when agents say that they add this or that pictures or staging or this or that, what I do is just pass on that information to my clients. I allow them to make their own personal decisions with what they choose to do and not do. And then I guide them through the contractual process and the sale.
0: Okay. Okay. So it seems to be working really well for you. Um, When did you start the brokerage on your own?
1: January.
0: January. And you're already (laughs) crushing it. So it sounds like something clicked.
1: Yeah. And a lot of hard work, a lot of hours plugging on Facebook, plugging on Instagram, um, reaching out to previous clients. Uh, I'm, I'm busy 24 seven. It's not okay. just, doesn't okay. just come easy.
0: <laughs> so, so tell me more about that. Like what all these different channels you're talking about, social media, past clients, what's been your, your best, um, your best source, would you say?
1: I think a little bit of everything. I, I get clients from, um, the, you know, from social media, I get a lot of referrals from my clients, which is super helpful and awesome of them. Um, also just driving, you know, SEO on Google, which is a lot harder now, as you'll know, in finance, um, with realtors everywhere and everybody doing thing and everybody having different models, it's pretty hard to climb up on an SEO Google search. Um, but you know, I feel like I'm up there, um, with most of the national companies, which is also something I think that we uh, thought we would talk about today as well. So we will hit that, I guess, at some point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well let's let's hit it now. I mean, let's, I was actually going to ask about that. So why did you decide to do it on your own instead of joining a larger discount agency like Assist to Sell for example or one of these lower cost models?
1: So I have in the past, and I still do, um, work for some of those affiliated companies. There's companies such as uh, Housio, Flat Fee Group. I, I mean, you can Google and find just, if you Google MLS, you could just about find anything. MLS My Home, FSBO.com, there's, mm-hmm. there's probably 20 or 30 of them nationwide. Um, and I do still represent quite a few of them, However, in Colorado, we are known as what is called a limited service state, and a lot of people don't know this. I. Get phone calls from people in Texas and other states, and they're like, we sell flat fee all the time. We pay $199, and that's it. And I said, well, that's because you haven't sold a house in Colorado. (laughs) And Colorado happens to be one of, I believe, three or four states left in the United States that we, as licensed realtors, are required to perform a minimum service, which means we have to follow the contract through all the contractual processes, um, all of the inspections, appraisals, title. that That is our job here in Colorado. Um, in other states, you can pay $199 and an agent will throw your listing on the MLS and off you go. People call you and that's called um, just, that is a flat fee service. That is no involvement. It is called an entry only listing. Um, and the Colorado Commission has already shut down a few companies and Put some heavy fines on some of them that were trying to break into that into colorado during the past few years um but ultimately people still (laughs) i get calls from people all the time there's got to be a better way and i'm like trust me i'm trying to do the best way that i can with the work that i have to do but um you know all these other upfront companies like you said um you know any of them they charge an upfront fee and then they farm you out to a real estate agent who charges you more So I guess my point is for people in Colorado is there's no reason to pay an upfront fee because they are not representing you. Um, Clever and UpNest do have representations and I also work with them as well, but there's a higher fee involved as well because they're a corporation and they have to charge more being that it's just myself and one of my friends, actually RJ in winter park. um, Uh We're able to do it for a lot less because we don't have a lot of overhead to charge people. So. Uh
0: huh. Okay, well that's interesting. So, in other words, if you were to try to do it for one ninety nine per contract, that would not work. It might not be a very good business model. <laughs>
1: no, you know, a lot of those companies work nationwide. So if they get five or ten listings from each state, it's a different picture because they're not actually doing the work. They're just collecting advertisements and leads. So, um, you know, it, it is. There's still a lot of work involved. Agents aren't lying when we work hard. We work hard. Um, it might not be sitting at your house, like I said, I'm not the person that's going to bring you flowers or come shovel your driveway, or. but mm. I am an amazing negotiator, and I, I think I have a very cordial personality because I'm more like the average person, I think, just coming not from such a huge real estate background, but having the knowledge of real estate as my background, that I feel mm. I'm able to better connect with people and help them on a normal level that... Um, you know, a lot of times there's smoke and mirrors about selling a house, but there doesn't have to be. And some people really don't want anything to do with selling
0: their house.
1: (laughs) I have friends that don't want to use me because they don't want to do any work. Um, so again, it's just what your personal preference is, I think.
0: Yeah. And that's why you think the full service model won't go away because some people want that.
1: I think that there's a lot of people that say that it will, but it won't. It's, it would take a lot, um, because like I said, there's some people that prior, people prioritize things differently. And um, if you're running a multimillion dollar corporation and you need to sell a house somewhere, then your priority is probably not gonna be finding a photographer.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that kind of that kind of goes in. I was curious what you think about you know, there's a lot of talk about these huge companies like Zillow or whoever it is taking over the industry and then the individual real estate agent will go away. What do you think about that? Do you think that's something that could happen down the road?
1: Um, You know, I've thought about it a lot over the past few years. I think that the bigger companies that we see will downsize. Um, I think just like any other corporations like Bed Bath & Beyond just announced that they're closing their doors. I think the traditional brick and mortar um, and some of those traditional models will probably see changing over the next five to ten years. I do think that a lot of the companies that are coming in, like I think I saw one on TV, it's called Seventy Two Sold or something, and Orchard, like these companies, yeah, these companies that are coming in and offering sellers cash for their house, so that they don't, Mm -hmm. you know, they're being they're able to surpass the potential of having a contingency on their home or this and that. Um, I think that all of those models are attracting people. However, I will also warn people that, you know, you get what you pay for. Um, a lot of times they take back end fees, uh, read your contracts. Yep. There's a lot of fees involved that people don't look at and they call me and they're like, Oh, I did not know about this. I'm like, well, read your contract or have somebody read your contract for you. Um, because it sounds good on paper, but sometimes it's not always what it's cracked up to be.
0: But I do think they're
1: going to be bigger in the game, though, in the next five to 10 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what can agents now do to stay relevant? I mean, one thing is to do something like what you're doing. What else can people do to stay relevant and make sure they continue to do a strong business?
1: I think that the most important thing in what I do is my relationships with people Um, I don't make them feel like, you know, like a lot of times when people, you know, agents show houses or whatever, or, you know, call me about the house. I don't know about your house. You live in your house. You're the expert on your house. I'm not the expert on your house. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that trying to make people feel empowered is a part of the transaction is the most important thing when you isolate them or say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You're not telling them, you're just telling them what you're going to do. You're not telling what you're going to do for them. And I think that keeping them in the equation is very important. And a lot of people don't believe that, but I do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's all about <laughs> that personal relationship and making sure you're going that extra mile for the client.
1: And a lot of people say, "Oh, if you get a flat fee, you know, be careful. You get what you pay for." Well, you know, I just tell people, "Well, look at my track record." And look at my reviews, and and call me <laughs> um, yeah. because I will give you the same service on a million dollar home for five thousand that somebody will for twenty. It's just like I said; I can cut a few more corners and make it doable for everybody. So,
0: gotcha. So your so your model is a flat fee regardless of the price, or is it based on a percentage?
1: It is based on a percentage. I do have a scale. Um, so for lower homes, I charge less, and my maximum is 5000 So it ranges from about 1500 to $5,000 per listing. Okay, and then, okay. like I said, uh, uh, some other companies that I've worked for, um, there was upfront fees. There was uh, charges. Every time you wanted to make a change, there was a charge. There was a lot of companies charge... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Transaction coordinator fee. Uh, a lot of companies charge um, for additional photos. Like you see it all. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, the, just when you think you're getting a deal, all of a sudden you're up to uh, 2 or 3% listing <laughs> almost, right. yeah, just, <laughs> depending
0: they're, they're on fine. the cost of your home
1: <laughs> before you know yeah, it. Yeah. Voila. Yep. Um, yep. So I pride myself on no – there's no transaction coordinator fees. There's no – charges, you know, nothing. So I do conduct myself pretty much in the same way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so this thing's ramped up quickly for you. Tell me about like, what are you, what are you working on right now? That's really, uh, pressing what kinds of obstacles have you run into?
1: Um, most of the obstacles, like I said, are with advertising. I think being a smaller company, it's hard to compete with the larger companies. So I hope that in the coming years that this, you know, it'll kind of start evening out a little bit where the bigger companies are giving up some things to come more towards consumer, you know, caring about the consumer and will come up a little bit more and be able to make some more money to be able to compete on that level. Um, I know I talk to a lot of luxury homeowners that, you know, feel that they want to be in magazines and things like that. So I guess part of my goal is to figure out how to help luxury homeowners get the same services that the super big companies um, are able to provide that we're not um, mm-hmm. that can sell a home potentially, especially in other markets like bigger cities like Chicago, Miami, those agencies getting those calls from people looking for those properties. Um, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's exposure. And you went back to Zillow before and it's funny this is how I actually this is how I acquired the property that I just purchased now but a couple years ago, um, Zillow made this shift. To where it was, um, you would have a listing saying, like, 29 agent listings, and then right next to that it said, one other. (laughs) So that other has thrown people off, like, what is this other? Well, Zillow now is a company, just like anybody else, so technically they're not allowed to list FSBOs. Um, So I've been working a lot on trying to help those people, like, understand that, so that's another one of my goals. So I guess... To sum it up, trying to figure out how to help luxury um, clients a little bit more and trying to figure out how to help FSBOs a little bit more and how to help them understand that this process in Colorado is just different and it just is and there's nothing we can do about it. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So, are you, um, what, what does your team look like? Are you building a team? Are you trying to add agents, add support people? What does that look like?
1: Um, right now, no. Right now I'm just trying to, I think, work out all my glitches and, you know, just running across things that I see that aren't fitting with what I thought they would be. Um, I would hope going into next year that I can start reaching out to other people across the state and um, helping them. Uh, get on board with how to figure this out as well. And like I said, it's not for everyone. It's not. It's a lot of hard work. And and trust me, I see some, I've seen big tickets come through with $120,000 commission and I'm sitting on my five going, what am I doing? <laughs> 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 However, um, I still believe that what I'm doing is the right thing. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome that you believe.
1: And it's too. That's 10 that's listings so versus one too. You know, I, I deal with a lot of listings, so
0: yeah yeah do you work with buyers too
1: i do um that's one thing i guess yeah i'd like to see i'd like to be able to expand into buyers a little bit more into the next year Um, i think i was just too busy to focus on that this year per se but we also um, offer buyer rebates as well and that is also based on educating people on how to help themselves i mean Pretty much, you know what I hear from a lot of my clients is, "Why should I pay a real estate agent 2.8 percent commission to bring a buyer? All a buyer does is look at Zillow, and then they call them, and then they see a house." and And I said, "Well, you know, it's not quite that simple." I did just, you know, sell a large house to someone who said, "Kathy, I've been working with these people for two years." So some Mm. of the uh, sellers don't see that. Um, as being part of the equation. But we do offer a buyer's agent commission of up to 1% for any of our buyers. So that definitely helps people right now with buy down points, um, closing costs, anything of that nature. And that amount goes down from 1% based on the amount of time we spend with people looking at houses. So a lot of the investors and flippers I work with will call me and say like, they have a house targeted, Kathy. Can you put an offer in on this house? Absolutely. So I write it up. They get one percent of my commission for me writing it up and helping them through the transaction. So again, it's more if you're willing to help yourself, we can put more money in your pocket even as a buyer. So,
0: okay, nice. Um, have you heard about this legislation they're proposing where, um, where the the buyer has to pay their agent directly instead of the listing side paying it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have very mixed emotions about that. But the biggest feeling that I have about that that breaks my heart a little bit is I feel that it would potentially or is going to create an even bigger um, them versus us type of scenario. I, Mm -hmm. I don't see how people that can barely afford to buy a home and can barely get into a home as a first time buyer or a teacher or a... Um, you know, firefighter, anybody in public service. I, you know, the fact that they have to put down ten or twenty thousand dollars to purchase a home, I don't see how they're going to be able to um, come up with an additional two to three percent to pay a buyer's agent. And and I argue with that a lot with my sellers, but I just feel that it's going if it happens and if it occurs which it's leaning that way in a lot of places for a lot of different reasons but i think it's going to create an even bigger divide between the haves and have nots and that breaks my heart
0: i agree 100 percent. unless something unless the legislation takes effect and something creative happens that enables them to still somehow make it work but yeah people are people are tight especially now i mean we see it every day on the lending side where people are you know really strapped and pushing the limit sometimes to qualify yeah so it's, it would be a sad and response. adding extra money
1: to their loan to even get the money to close
0: <laughs> yeah down payment assistance or whatever it is so it's just yeah it's it, that could be very frustrating if that happens yeah yeah so what so um what are your plans the next 90 days what are you going to do to keep, <laughs> keep your sanity
1: Um. just keep doing what I do. I uh, mostly right now my focus is like I said on helping FSBO clients try to understand Mm -hmm. how the climate is a little bit different here in Colorado. Um, A lot of people still, you know, most FSBOs are (laughs) the reason that they're selling FSBO 90% of the time is because they don't like real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I know I am one, but I try to be a little bit different. Um, You know, they've just, for whatever reason, they're soured on the process. They don't, you know, believe in this and that. And once in a while, I can convince them differently, and sometimes I cannot. And once in a while, I get a call three months down the road saying all they do is get calls from realtors. Can you please help me? So um, my focus (laughs) is mostly on my FSBO clients through the next 90 days.
0: Okay. Okay. And have you seen an a uptick in activity heading into the summer here?
1: We, I think we had a good month back. Gosh, what is this now? End of April. <laughs> I think that March, end of February, March was really strong. We had a really nice surge. Uh, I think the past month, this month, is I've, I've had a lot of closings, but I think that was because of what happened in February and March. I think we've had a very slow start to the spring, not necessarily with listings, but with buyers uh, willing and wanting to pull the trigger. Um, I see a lot more of my deals going under contract and then going out of contract. Uh, I think because buyers, you know, get cold feet, they get maybe talked into something and they're like, oh, I didn't know about the, you know, I didn't know it would be this much. I think that buyers are scared right now. I think that buyers are uh, able to be picky right now. And I think even though technically it's kind of still a seller's market, that sellers have to realize that they're not going to see the outcome that they did a year ago.
0: Absolutely. I
1: agree. I mean, the inventory's still down, but that doesn't mean that just because you're the only house in the neighborhood, you're going to get two hundred thousand more than you did, you know, than your neighbor did six months ago. So, I think as long as buy, sellers can start seeing that and understand where um, the buyers are coming from, that we will see sales pick up again in May. And I, I, you know, rumor has it, RJ. I'm not sure, but that we that the rates might be going down a little to help people out this spring.
0: Well, I definitely have an opinion on that. (laughs) And by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be mid-May anyway. There's a key date coming up in May, May 10th, where the CPI data is getting released. And the thing, I've talked about this repeatedly on my videos and different interviews. And the thing with inflation is it's a 12-month look back on the data. So they take all the previous 12 months and they tally that all up and that's the number. AND THAT'S WHAT THE FED'S LOOKING AT. SO IT'S LIKE THEY'RE LOOKING IN THE REARVIEW MIRROR AS TO WHAT INFLATION IS. AND um, WHAT HAPPENS IS EACH MONTH THE NUMBER IS REPORTED AND THEN THEY TAKE OFF THE, the NUMBER FROM 13 MONTHS AGO AND REPLACE IT WITH THE CURRENT NUMBER. SO when, WHEN WE, I WAS ACTUALLY JUST WATCHING A VIDEO BEFORE THIS INTERVIEW ABOUT IT, AND AS THEY REPLACE THAT HIGHER INFLATION DATA FROM A YEAR AGO, IT'LL JUST NATURALLY COME DOWN BASED ON THE FACT THAT THE CURRENT MONTH OVER MONTH NUMBERS ARE LOWER. SO EVEN IF INFLATION DOESN'T QUOTE-UNQUOTE GO DOWN OVER THE NEXT SIX MONTHS. INFLATION IS GOING TO GO DOWN AS FAR AS THE NUMBER THAT'S REPORTED. AND IN A LOWER INFLATION ENVIRONMENT, that's THAT LEADS TO LOWER RATES, HISTORICALLY. SO IT'S JUST- GOOD NEWS, BUYERS. Yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> HOPEFULLY. YEAH. AND THEY'RE LOOKING AT THIS MAY 10TH DATE, is IT COULD BE A KEY DATE AS TO um, the INFLATION NUMBERS COMING DOWN good enough margin that the Fed does something different. So we'll see.
1: Agreed. Um, And I have uh, had a few of my sellers that I've had that same conversation with. And I said, why don't we, you know, wait and put it on the market. Let's roll the dice and get it a little bit closer to that May 10th date so that we don't end up sitting, you know, too long um, before any great changes hopefully can occur. So
0: totally, totally. And the other thing too, is people should not be afraid of recession because that could happen. And, uh, Housing's done historically really well in in recessions, and if you're buying a home and it's your primary residence, you don't plan on moving, then you know just ride the wave. If it goes down a little bit, you know no big deal. It'll go back up. I mean, historically, real estate has done that. So yeah, I think it's I a think great it was, time for for buyers and for sellers.
1: I think it was Einstein. I can't remember who made the quote. Like. The worst mistake you ever made was not buying a house at the age of five, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that will hold true in any market. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, or the quote about planting a tree: the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago; the second best yeah. time today.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so I mean, it's just so many stories. I'm sure you have them too about people that decided to buy and they've got lots of equity now, and it's changed their financial picture. So I think just getting the foot in the door. And before, you know, other changes might happen, like the buyer paying for the agent's commission, it could change change the landscape. Yeah, it sure can. Yeah, I mean,
1: even as an agent, a realtor, I'm currently right in the middle of my, I'm like, you know, I think I would know better, you know, being in the market. But sure enough, I'm right in the middle of selling my own house and building another house in through all of this Mm -hmm. and fortunately got my rates locked in last year before they changed too dramatically. But, um, I feel people's pain too. So I'm going through it right along with them. So (laughs) I'm like, am I crazy? But we're in it. So we just have to keep going.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what's, so now that you're in your, in your own brokerage, what's your favorite thing about what you do?
1: Is talking to people. Um, One of my favorite questions or not so favorite question I get with every transaction is like, do you have a transaction coordinator? I'm like, no, I don't. It's just me. So if my sellers call me, they're going to get me. If the buyer's agent calls me, they're going to get me. If anybody involved in the transaction calls, they're going to get me. I think transaction coordinators are super important for bigger offices because I don't know how they would function without them. Um, But just being small and intimate, that's what we do.
0: Nice. Nice. And it's incredible, too, how you just you stay consistent with calling people, calling your past clients, staying in touch. You're just naturally great at that. How do you stay in that zone with how busy you are? I mean, putting 10 listings on in a week. (laughs) I don't know how you find time. Uh,
1: Lots of early mornings. I have a tendency to be a night crawler, uh, like three to five Mm. in the morning and then rest and then get back on it again when my phone starts ringing. But Um, I guess word to new agents or any other agents, you either work late at night or you work early in the morning because once your phone Mm -hmm. starts ringing, it's a lot harder to stay focused on things that you have to do. And I think that being an ex-teacher, another piece of advice I would give is I've heard a lot of teachers make really good real estate agents because we're super organized Um, and you don't burn yourself out. I spend like an hour a day on, um, social media advertising. I spend an hour a day on SEO. I spend an hour a day on phone calls. So I don't sit all day to the point where I want to break down and cry because nobody's calling me back. I completely set up my calendar so that everything I'm doing is touching people in a different way every day. Um, and I think that's really important too. Nice. Nice.
0: Yeah, we, I'm in a coaching group, and we, we get on a Zoom together and make phone calls every day, um, and it's in the morning because if you, i found just from personal experience, if I put it off and don't join the group and I'll do it later, you know, things just happen by the time you get to afternoon. And there's this file or that file or something <laughs> that personally happens outside of work or whatever, and things just go sideways, and it never gets done unless you just knock it out right off the bat.
1: Yeah. And it's super frustrating too. And, and, you know, regardless, you know, you just never know, like people get frustrated with making phone calls or whatever, but you just never know when you're going to call that person that one day and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, Kathy, I totally forgot about you. And Oh my gosh, we are listing our house next month. So great. You, you just never know. You never know forward, where people forward. are. Yeah. You can't expect people to remember things when they're moving around and working. So, um, it's just important to stay in touch. And, you know, a lot of my clients I'm very good friends with as well. So,
0: Totally, and like I'll just tell you my own experience. We call past clients every Wednesday. In fact, this it's a Wednesday right now, and I got done with that just before this interview. And every single week, there's another at least one opportunity out of those phone calls. Like I had, I have a guy that is a past client that wants to buy an investment property today. And if I wouldn't have been making those calls, I would probably not have. He might have forgotten about me, or who knows what. Just
1: gone through the listing agent or just, yeah, clicked on Zillow and came up with some other agent that pays Zillow.
0: (laughs) Right. That's (laughs) that's
1: a big frustration I hear from a lot of sellers is they're like, why why is my name not on there? Why can't they call me? Why can't they call you? And I'm like, well, because some agents pay a lot of money to Zillow to have that privilege. So I don't know a way around those things yet.
0: Keep them on your home search app if you have one so that then it's you, you on that listing, teach them how to use it. That's, that's my, I mean, if I was a real estate agent, that's what I'd be doing. I'd say, Hey, here's my app. Here's how you find houses. And then it's me on there. Exactly. So people think people think they have to call Zillow to look at the house a lot of times. It's crazy. Yeah. Or so for, I mean,
1: they have everything now. They have lenders on Zillow too. You can click on a lender.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So well, thanks for being on, Kathy. It's just been awesome to learn more about what you're doing and sure. sharing everything, you know, your story and everything. So um really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks, RJ. It's good to see you. And um, hopefully we'll catch you up on the trails in Winter Park. Still got a lot of snow up there to do some cross-country yes. skiing.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Or skinning up Mary Jane, maybe. And <laughs> something uh,
1: like I'm that. not much of a skinner these days. I barely have time to cross-country ski. I think skinning would kill right.
0: me, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, not killing me every time I do it. Um, well, awesome. Well, thanks again. And if you're listening to this show and found value in this, please share it with other agents that you know so they can also learn from what Kathy shared with us today. And uh, consider leaving us a five star review. That helps get the word out as well. And have a great rest of your day. Thanks again, Kathy.
1: Thanks, RJ. Have a great day, everybody.